I'll say praise the Lord, you can respond now and forever. Praise the Lord. So our microphone is fixed. So this is great, huh? So instead of turning on my lapel microphone, I can just speak right here. So that means I can preach forever. <laughs> so we're really grateful for all the hard work that went into getting the sound system to where it's at. I want to uh, reiterate Dr. Uh, John uh, Didigan's his, um, sentiment about Catholic schools. Um, I went to Catholic school growing up in Sturgeon Bay, Corpus Christi, and uh, it became a very powerful avenue for me in my faith journey. And uh, it was just a beautiful community. It was really a family, a parish family, a school connected to it. Of course, uh, education and teaching is where it is that we receive so much. And I think of my Catholic school teachers uh, and the authority that I had submitted myself to, uh, most particularly Sister Helen Kelbel, my fifth grade teacher. She was a Manitowoc Sister of Charity, but I accredit her uh, to my vocation to the priesthood. So it had come back all the way back when I was 11 years old in fifth grade. There's other characters uh, and influential people during my time of education, and that came through sports as well. Uh, uh, one person that comes to mind is John Hootenheimer and everybody affectionately called him Hoot. Hoot uh, was my basketball coach, my baseball coach, and my football coach in fifth and sixth grade. And he sort of started all of us out in parochial school system into sports, so it becomes sort of a, a foundation and a bedrock. And he always wanted uh, to uh, really do good for Hoot. Uh, he was such a remarkable guy. He, Later on in life, uh, talking with him, I had actually learned that he was discerning the priesthood for a while. In one pocket, he had a rosary in an old leather pouch. In the other pocket, uh, he had a sacred heart patch. And Hoot was always joyful. He always had a smile on his, uh, on his face. And he was just always affirming, just uh, a really amazing coach and mentor. For some other reason, he, he could make the sound of a horse by clicking his fingers just strange things that I keep doing to this day that I learned from Hoot. <laughs> he did that when he was exceptionally excited about our performance on the field. Uh, but then at the same time, there was Mr. Bellin. So Mr. Bellin was a lot different than Hoot. Uh, Mr. Bellin would say, go take a lap. It was almost as if he was doing Hoot's dirty work on the field. Actually, I remember waking up one night having a panic attack about Mr. Bellin because we were so afraid that he's going to make us take a lap. If Hoot asked us to take a lap, we would gladly do it, and then some more. So it was a very different way in which we interacted uh, with these particular coaches. This is totally besides the point, but Hoot, he always drove an old LTD, a Ford LTD, just a boat, right? And the back was just filled up with old baseball gloves and basketballs and and football gear, and then his back bumper was tied on with a piece of string. And he always smoked a pipe. He always had a pipe, so you could sort of smell that, uh, that pipe as you were practicing. And I remember um, I went to Germany with my sister in 1990, right after the Berlin Wall fell down. We actually got to go there, um, my mom being from Germany. And I, I wanted to get something for Hoot, so I picked him up a pipe in Germany and brought it home with me to give to him. 
And I figured if I'm going to go to every shoe store in Germany with my sister, because that's what she ended up doing and I had to take along, I'm going to go to a store and get something for someone that I really cared for and who had showed me a great deal of what it means to live a life for Christ. The truth is in our lives that we always, no matter what, we submit ourselves to an authority. So when we're younger, we submit our, uh, ourselves to the authority of our teachers and to our parents. When we get older, we submit our, uh, ourselves to the authority of law enforcement. We know that there are particular laws that have to keep civilized uh, civilization uh, civil. Uh, and we also know that uh, to government institutions, we have to pay taxes. So we submit ourselves to the authority of the government, both uh, national, state, and local. So no matter what, even in married life, right, husbands submit themselves to their wives, wives submit themselves to their husbands. We hear about this in uh, the second reading from St. Paul to the Corinthians. No matter what our state in life, we submit ourselves to authority. It goes without saying. Now for me, I submit myself to the authority of the bishop. That's not easy. To take the promise of obedience to my ordinary and his successors. So much so that at ordination, uh, we lay down on the floor in a humble submission to the obedience of the successors of St. Peter. So why would it be that far of a stretch to begin to think about the necessity of submitting ourselves to the authority of God? Now there might be some reasons why we don't do this. One particular reason is what we call hubris. Hubris is the Greek word for pride. We're prideful, we're stubborn, we're obstinate. And many times, it's difficult for us to trust authority. Interesting, isn't it, these days as we see institutions and our trust in them beginning to fail in a civilization, we see this in healthcare or education or in government or even the church, it might be difficult for us than to trust ourselves to an authority that is beyond all of those institutions. But we can, rest assured, allow ourselves to submit to the authority of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's what's great about being a priest. Because up here preaching, there's no pressure. Because if you have a total bomb of a homily, no problem. If you're a Protestant and you're a minister, that's going to be a problem. But for a Catholic, not to say you abrogate yourself from the responsibility of trying to put on or to uh, deliver a good homily, but the essence of our teaching is the person of Jesus Christ made manifest in the Eucharist. So through the authority of the apostles, the priest says the words of consecration. This is my body. This is my blood. And because of that, we receive Jesus, and we begin to live under his authority. Now remember, every time we come to church, you're making a statement. I'm making a statement. I'm going to live under the authority of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And the teachings of Jesus Christ are guaranteed through the tradition of the church. 
The church can't become a derivation of teaching. It can't just sort of go off into some tangent. The church stays on this narrow, paper-edged line of orthodoxy, not straying into heresy. So we can have an assurance that when we assemble as a family of faith, as a community, placing ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, that that teaching itself will have great authority. It will give to us something that we can't give ourselves. And primarily, what is that? It's the forgiveness of our sins. Isn't it interesting, the gospel reading, Jesus comes into the synagogue. Now, the synagogue was the epicenter of the teaching of Judaism. The synagogue was the epicenter of the authority of God's law. But in the middle of that was a man with unclean spirits. The synagogue and the law handed down for generations wasn't powerful enough to eradicate the dominion of the evil spirits within this particular person. So even in the midst of this trusted place of authority, even that couldn't forgive the sin and take away the domain of sin. But Jesus comes into the synagogue and he rebukes the false authority of the evil spirits. Remember, this is one individual, but it's a plural, it's spirits, there's many. It is the supernatural reality of the authority of God to come into our lives and to eradicate the darkness and the evil within our own soul. But we first have to have the humility of coming before God and saying, I am a sinner. There's no powerful witness for me as a priest than saying the words of absolution, the words during confession. God the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. In the ministry of the church, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Countless people who come into the sacrament of confession walk away alleviated, alleviated and freed from the dominion of sin. This is the confidence of the Christian. The second reading from St. Paul, he talks about being anxious or being concerned. Remember, this anxiety and this fear are a ramification of the domain of sin. But as soon as we hand that over to God and humble ourselves to God and to his authority, we begin to see that God does a great work in our life. And even things that we couldn't see ourselves, he reveals to us through the teaching authority of the church. It's important that authority not become coercive. That means it's not forceful. So Mr. Bellin, he was sort of forcing it. With Hoot, it's that you wanted to do good for him. You wanted to be a good player. You wanted to please him. You had an increased desire for excellence. This is how it is that God's authority works in our life. We want to be very careful about having, carrying over a negative connotation of authority in our relationship with God. Because authority and placing ourselves under the obedience of God is life-giving and freeing. There's a saying that uh, a spoonful of honey goes a lot further than a bucket full of vinegar. 
What we mean by that is God lures us into the divine life to live under his domain and to his authority and his teaching. And this is why the scripture says, a new teaching with authority. It is the supernatural authority of the person of Jesus Christ that you and I declare to one another in this assembly that we want to live under. And because of that, we know that we can have with Jesus that same authority in our life, the authority to be able to denounce the evil, the darkness, the sin of our life, and to have Jesus Christ as that victor king, the one who comes into our life and eradicates sinful behavior. This is the power of Christ. This is the new teaching. This is the authority that God wants to bestow upon us. And he wants to increase within our own hearts the desire to do his will, now and forever.